Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. Wellness uh, for everybody. Not only the people that are at the Windsor and the people that are listening to this broadcast, but also the people of the United States and around the world. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, welcome. Uh, I'm Pastor Ken Bear with uh, Celebrate Seniors. We're a ministry of Faith Dialogue. So thanks a lot for tuning in today. Um, it's that time of the year that uh, we're not gathering together. We're practicing social distance. So I'm out here at a beautiful park here in Celebration, Florida. So today we're going to be taking a look at one of the parables of Jesus. There's about 46, 47 parables of Jesus, and we try to take one a week. Um, I love it because they're the words of Jesus. They're the words that are in red in most of your Bibles. So we're going to go ahead and take a look at uh, the, the parable today in Luke 14. And it's a, it's, you might not know it. It's not a real well-known parable, but it's a, it's a, it's a man that is, it, it is healed. Um, and after that, Jesus starts talking about taking the lowest seats rather than the highest seats. So in order to take a look at a parable like this, and in fact, this is one of my recommendations for any time um, you're spending any time in the Bible trying to get the most out of the Word of God. Um, my, my advice to you is this, is number one, take it slow. Just, just take it slow. Allow the, the Word of God to be individual words so that the Lord can, can speak to you. We, sometimes we, we tend to go through some things so fast, especially when we're going through a passage in the Bible that we've either read before or on the other side, uh, uh, passages in the Bible that we think are, are not applicable to us. Uh, maybe you're reading the list of genealogies in, in, uh, in one of the Old Testament books or the beginning of one of the Gospels, or you're reading some of the Levitical laws, and we just kind of go through them so quickly uh, that we don't let them penetrate our soul. So my recommendation to you, first of all, is, is, is take it seriously and take it slowly. Uh, the other thing we want to do is we want to always understand the context, the context of everything that we read. So the, the, the parable today is in Luke chapter 14, uh, beginning in verse, uh, verse number 7. And in my Bible it says, take the lowly place, where Jesus is going to recommend that when we're invited someplace, that we don't try to sit at the head table, that we take a lower seat because you're going to be embarrassed if you take a high seat and they say, what are you doing up here? Go back to, your, go back to where you're supposed to be. Go back to the common folk. You don't belong up here. So I'm going to read the parable in a minute, but I want to get a look at the context first of all. It's so important to get the context right. You've heard of, of, of people that take a look at a, a Bible scripture verse or, or they're, take, they're quoting something and somebody will say, you're taking that out of context, meaning that you're applying it to something that it wasn't originally intended. So we always want to take a look at the context and the best way to take a look at a context of a verse is read what happens before it as well as after it. So we're in Luke chapter 14. So I'm going to go ahead and, and read beginning in verse 1 of chapter 14. And this is what it says. It says, Now it happened as he went, now that's Jesus, into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath, that they watched him closely. And behold, there was a certain man before him 
who had dropsy. Now, we don't know what dropsy is exactly. The, the Greek word for dro dropsy means swollen face. So it's some kind of edema of some kind, some kind of swelling possibly from a bacterial infection. Uh, but this man was before Jesus and he had a, a health condition. And behold, there was a certain man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus answering spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? You know, Jesus had done this before a couple times. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were always trying to catch Jesus, trying to, to catch him doing something that they felt violated their, their law. And as a result, they could bring an accusation against him. But they kept silent. Interesting, isn't it? They kept silent. And he took him and healed him and let him go. Then he answered them saying, which of you having a donkey or an ox that has fallen into a pit will not immediately pull him out of the Sabbath day, on the Sabbath day, and they could not answer him regarding these things. So then he told them a parable, and that's the parable, today's parable, that I'm going to read. So keep that context in mind. We're going to go back to it, but I want to read you to you the entire parable. So he, Jesus, told a parable to those who were invited when he noted how they chose the best places, saying to them, when you were invited by anyone, anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down at the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you may, and him, come and say to you, give place to this man. And then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. And when you're invited, go and sit down in the lowest place, so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, come up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So these are, again, these are, these are parables. These are the teachings of Jesus. And in one part of the Bible it says, without parables he spake not. He didn't speak. Now that's hyperbole. Uh, Jesus had a lot to say that wasn't in parables, but it gives the emphasis of understanding that Jesus often taught in parables. And he told us in the, when, he, when, when the disciples asked him why he spoke in parables, Jesus said, it's because to you it is given to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God. The mysteries of the kingdom of God. So this is, this is something that we want to take in and understand. This is a this is a kingdom teaching. This is something that's a mystery. Mystery means that it's, that it's been hidden in the past, but now it's being revealed. It's now being revealed. So let's take a look at this parable in light of the context. And we'll go back, back to the context. And we'll see exactly what it has to say for us. I know, for one thing, we're going to get back to this, this last verse, verse 11. It says, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So we know that's got to be one of the key teachings from this parable. But let me go back again to the very first verse and, and take this slowly, as I said before. Go verse by verse and see what the Lord has to say to us. And it happened, as he went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath, that they watched him closely. Okay, Jesus, remember Jesus had a number of different interactions with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. If, I, if, if this was a quiz and I'd said, uh, did Jesus usually have something good to say about the Pharisees or bad to say about the Pharisees? Uh, the answer would be, uh, he didn't have anything good to say about the Pharisees. Usually they, usually they were pompous and arrogant and Jesus was criticizing them because they put burdens on the people um, that they were unwilling themselves to take. 
But Jesus is interacting with the Pharisees. Remember, Jesus is a teacher, and he's a recognized teacher. He's a miracle worker. This is, this is Luke 14. He's already been ministering for a year and a half, maybe two years. Uh, this is getting close to the end of his ministry. He's, he's already fed 5,000. He's already healed uh, uh, people. He's already raised uh, Jairus' daughter from the, literally from the dead. Um, so what we want to do is we want to take a look at what Jesus has to say and understand that even though the Pharisees had much against him, because of his popularity with the people, they would invite him to have dinner with him. Isn't that interesting? You know, to the Jewish people, much more than us, we have, we have takeout. We have takeout all over the place. Um, but the, for the Jewish people, especially in their culture, not only did they not have takeout, but to be invited to dinner was, was, a, was a serious occasion. Um, it was an affront not to take, not to, not to attend uh, a dinner or a supper that you've been invited to. And this is how they, they relaxed, this is how they got together, and it was a very important social occasion. So here it is, the Sabbath. It says, it was on the Sabbath that they came to eat bread. The Pharisees would get together on the, on the Sabbath, and it's kind of interesting when you think about it. The, the Pharisees were very, very keen on seeing how well they could prove that they didn't work on the Sabbath. You know, uh, in, in the Ten Commandments, uh, we're supposed to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Six days God worked, and on the seventh day there was no work, and you weren't supposed to be working on the Sabbath. And the Jewish people took this very, very seriously, that on the Sabbath there was no work to be done. So the Pharisees, rather than just letting it go at that and let people understand that they were supposed to relax and treat the Sabbath differently, they had all kinds of rules about what, what meant that there was work and what wasn't work. So for example, if you were going to be invited to a Pharisee's house on the Sabbath to break bread, the bread would have been baked and put in place the day before. Um, it would be probably a little bit stale, but it would be there the day before. Um, anything that was hot, a day before it was probably kind of tepid by now. Anything that was cold, same thing. It was closer to room temperature, uh, but still they could have a meal. Uh, but there were certain conditions that they, they couldn't do. There were certain things that they couldn't do because they wouldn't, didn't want to violate the idea of working on the Sabbath. You know, it's kind of interesting. We spent some time in South Florida. And in South Florida, there's a lot of Jewish people, a lot of tremendous amount of synagogues and, and uh, rabbinical schools and uh, many, many Jewish people. And on the Sabbath day in some of the hotels in Miami Beach, in Miami, uh, they have what they call Sabbath elevators. I don't know if you've ever experienced a place where they have a Sabbath elevator. What would you say, Pastor Ken, what's a, what's a Sabbath elevator? Well, again, keeping this idea of of not working, today's Jewish population, in order to honor the Sabbath, they have a Sabbath elevator. So they have to get from the first floor to the 17th floor, from the 24th floor down to the first one. They don't want to walk down the stairs. They want to be able to take the elevator, but pushing a button would be work. So a Sabbath elevator is set up so that it opens the door on every floor and goes to every floor. So it will go to floor one, then two, then three, then four, without anybody pushing any buttons, because that would be working. So today in a, in a Jewish home, um, they would still find many of the things that the Pharisees would appreciate, uh, finding ways to make sure that the, there was no work that was being done. Um, well, for example, you can have a hot plate. You, know, you can keep your food warm now. You can prepare it on the day before the Sabbath for a Jewish family, and you could eat it on the Sabbath day, but it would stay warm because it would be on a hot plate. 
Um, in fact, I talked to some Jewish friends and I asked about going out to eat and doing different things. And they said, oh, we can, we can do that. Uh, we just have, can't pay with cash. And I said, you can't pay with cash? They said, no, the rabbis have determined that paying with cash is working, but we can pay with a credit card. So it's kind of interesting. Well, the Pharisees were doing the same thing. And one of the things, one of the things that they elevated to a very high level <clears throat> regarding work, and they accused Jesus of it a number of times in the Bible, was healing. The idea is, is Jesus couldn't heal on the Sabbath because if he healed on the Sabbath, he was working. That's why he said, and behold, there was a certain man uh, before him that had dropsy. And again, we're not sure exactly what that was, but it was some kind of a swelling, some kind of an infection. And Jesus um, said to them, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And if you notice, the Pharisees had nothing to say. They, they wanted to trap Jesus, but they didn't want to answer Jesus because they didn't want to engage him and they didn't want to get themselves into a trap. Um, and then Jesus tells them, tells them uh, basically what the Old Testament had said. He said, which of you having a donkey or an ox has fallen into a pit, will you not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath? So Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath and the Pharisees said nothing. I'm sure they were fuming inside, uh, but they, they had nothing to say. So Jesus then took the occasion, and again, we're going to read this slowly, because otherwise you're going to miss what it says. And it says, So Jesus told a parable to those who were invited when he noted how they chose the best places. The best places. So what Jesus noted was that these probably up to about nine people. And the reason I say nine is because some of the historians that understand this period of time know that for the Pharisees when they would have a dinner party on the Sabbath and again it was a day they weren't supposed to be working so if they had a party they decided they would limit themselves to more than no more than a grouping of three three times three times three is nine nine people so they would have a they would have a small table and they would lie on pill pillows um, and in fact, it was called, I, I think, a trilumbrant or something like that. Um, it had the word three in it, three. So there would be three pillows at the head table, one for the guest of honor and then two other people. And then they would have two other tables, so a total of nine people. So Jesus is one of the nine. And as he's walking into this Pharisee's house, he's seeing that the other invited guests are kind of jockeying for the, the very best, best position. So it's a, a great opportunity for Jesus to, to make mention of this. Uh, to the Pharisees and call it to their attention and teach them something which again to us is a mystery that has been hidden to other people but revealed to us. So he says when you're invited to anyone by anyone to a wedding feast do not sit down at the best place lest one more honorable than you will be invited by him. You know I, I love it that we just happen this is just happenstance we've been teaching through the parables over the last couple of years taking one at a time and this is the very next parable on my list it's easier for me to to have a list ahead of time and just go from one parable to the other and this is a parable about a man uh, about being invited to a wedding feast and this Sunday by the way if you get a chance to tune in at Faith Dialogue or online or channel 2501 uh, wherever we're being broadcast uh, we're going to be talking about about uh, Jesus' first miracle, which is the wedding at Cana. I just love it when there's this coincidence that I'm talking about a wedding feast today and I'll be talking about a wedding feast again on, on Sunday as well. But he says this, when you're invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place lest one more honorable than you will be invited. And he, will be in, and he who invited you 
and him come and say to you, give place, give place to this man, give way. It's like, what are you sitting up here? You know, there's a practical side of this. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a meaning to this that we want to get to. We want to understand the true meaning of this parable. But at the same time, it's so practical when you think about it. To, to be able to, to try to honor yourself and grab a, a, seat, a seat at the head table and then have somebody come over to you and say, you know, you don't really belong here, you know? You're, you're not one of the, the few uh, that's included at the head table. Your table's really back there, table number 71. So there's a, there's a practical part of this, and the Jesus is, is relying on these parables. These parables are stories that people can relate to. A lot of the parables are about people that are fishing, or people that are, that are, that are farming, or people that are herding sheep, or uh, different, different ideas of, of things that they, they understand. And a number of parables, there's probably four or five parables, have to do with something to do with a, a wedding. Weddings are and were important to the Jewish people. In eschatology, which is study of last things, looking for Jesus to return, we're going to see that weddings, again, have a lot to do with this, this end time uh, with Jesus Christ. But it's very practical to understand that rather than sitting at the best place and then being ashamed because somebody has to come to you and, and, and have you come down, uh, you don't want to do that. So it says this, it says, but when you're invited, this is verse 10, go and sit down in the lowest place so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher, then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. Um, and then the verse 11, which is, I think, the key verse, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So I want to spend the remaining time talking about this little bit about this whole idea of self-exaltation, about thinking higher of yourself than you really should. This, this whole idea about being, uh, um, being famous, uh, about being noted, um, in fact, Jesus talked about that. He said, you know, you don't be like the Pharisees who go around saying a uh, long prayer so that people will be amazed at, at the many words that they have. Or they, they come into a feast and they wear these long robes so that everybody will take note of them. Um, Jesus has called us to humility. Humility, by the way, is one of the, the key virtues in the kingdom of God. It's humility. There's a, there's a couple of, of places in the Bible that it, it talks about humility. And, you know, it's, it's through the Old Testament as New Testament. So I just want to, to talk to you a little bit about some of these verses because Jesus is getting to the heart of one of these keys of the kingdom. And that's one of the virtues that he wants us to exhibit. And one of the, these key virtues is humility. In Philippians uh, chapter 2, verses 3 through 11, it says, this is Paul saying, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then he says this, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking, him, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Paul is using the very fact that Jesus, the, the Lord God, um, the, the Son of God, one of the, one of the three personalities of, of the Godhead, of the Trinity, even God came down and came down as a, a child 
and took on the form of a man and humbled himself. God humbled himself and became a man. And he humbled himself even to the point that he died on the cross for us. In James 4, 6, it says, But he, this is God, gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Be humble is, is one of these key characteristics that Jesus is telling us is a key to the kingdom of God. In Luke 14, as we just read, um, again, this verse says, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. If you exalt yourself, you're going to be humbled. It's so much better to be, to take a, a lowly place and let the Lord lift you up. In Proverbs 22, 4, it says, The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. In 1 Peter 5, 6, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time, He will exalt you. He will exalt you. In Colossians 3, it says, Put on then as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Patience. So these are, these are the, the things in the kingdom of God that God honors. God t tells us that we need to be humbled. You know, what's interesting, or we need to be humble. What's interesting is, uh, I guess my generation was the same. So often we wanted to not only sit at the best seats, but we wanted to, everybody to see how great we were. Um, when Maybe when you were growing up, when I was growing up, if you asked children what they wanted to be when they grew up, they would say things like a, a fireman, a policeman, I want to be a nurse, I want to be a doctor, uh, one of those occupations. And those would, those would come up 90% of the time. People always wanted to do something, maybe be a soldier. Um, a lot of times what their father or mother did, that's what they would want to do as well. Did you know a survey was done a few years ago? Um, and at the time, 54%, a majority of all the teenagers, a majority of the teenagers, they wanted to be a YouTube star. <laughs> now, now, many of you might not even know what a YouTube star is, but it's a person that puts videos on YouTube and then finds ways for people to follow them or to like their videos. They become a, a star. They become a celebrity uh, by posting sometimes inane YouTube videos of things, people falling down or pulling practical, uh, practical uh, gags or doing all kinds of crazy things in order to get noticed. 54% of teenagers want to be a YouTube star. Isn't that something? My daughter, when she was, um, I think she was probably 15, 16 years old, and we were talking and she wanted to start a band and be able to sing and you know, play guitar and she got some kids together in our garage and they would practice and she wanted to be she wanted to be a rock star and I can I can understand that that's kind of fun well it's it's gone so far today that have you ever heard the acronym GOAT when people say they want to be a GOAT well a, a GOAT a GOAT is the greatest of all time G-O-A-T the greatest of all time um, People say they want to be a goat. They want to be the greatest of all time. But, you know, Jesus is telling us that we really need to be, we need to be humble. We need to be humble. <clears throat> Jesus says in verse 10, But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place, so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, Friend, come up higher. Wouldn't that be nice? I mean, I mean, think again about the, the practicality, the practicality of the advice that Jesus is giving. He's, he's saying, you know, if, if you try to exalt yourself all the time, you're going to find, first of all, that you're not as good as you think you are. And people are going to find that out. And when they find that, that out and they have to 
to let other people know, move you from the head table to table 71, it's going to be embarrassing. So on a practical standpoint, you want to avoid the embarrassment. But on a spiritual note, on the spiritual side of this, what you want to do is you want to be able to be humble. Um, the Bible says to think of others as, as better than yourselves, as more honorable than yourselves. You know, there's a couple of virtues that Jesus talks about often in the Bible. Humility is one of them, but you know what the other one is? It's service. The apostles came to him arguing about who was going to be great in the kingdom of God. And he said, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, be the servant of all. The servant of all. You know, most of the time we don't think of being a servant or being of service as something of, of being great. But that's not what God looks at. God looks at our heart, our willingness to serve other people, our willingness to be humble, humble of heart, humble of attitude, and humble of service and being able to serve the rest of mankind. I love that. You know, we recently, we've recently uh, been able to give, do be able to give the right kind of accolades to our first responders, to, to the people that have served in the military, that have served this country with honor and distinction, and been able to serve so that we might have the freedom we have. You know, when I was growing up, it wasn't that way. It, it really wasn't. Um, I grew up, um, it was that the, my, my dad was in the Korean War, the Korean veterans came back, they weren't like the World War II veterans, they were kind of unknown, and then we went into this horrible war in Vietnam, and the Vietnam War veterans were not, were not, were not only not welcomed back at all by this country, but often they were spit on, and they were uh, ostracized, and they had to keep a very low profile, not telling people that they had even, even served. And it was really after after the Gulf War, that people started applauding veterans. I remember I was on a, on a plane coming back from, I think I was coming back from Tampa down to, uh, to, to Palm Beach, it was a short flight, and uh, getting off, it was either in Tampa or Palm Beach, it doesn't matter, but as I was getting off, one of the, uh, one of the crew members said, if you don't mind, would you, would you stay seated because we've got some uh, men and women in the military that need to get off the plane because they need to board uh, the next plane. Um, they're going into service or uh, for deployment. And it was wonderful because not only did people obey the suggestion of the crew member, but people started applauding. And one by one, these people in khakis and these, in these uniforms and camouflage uh, started coming from the back of the plane, coming up through, and as they came through, people were, were applauding them. And you know, that's the, that's the heart of what it means to, to be humble, to be able to serve others, to be able to think of others as, as greater than yourselves, as putting in, in yourself in a place where you're there to serve. You're not there to be served, you're there to serve. You know, remember Jesus even at the Last Supper, the first thing he did at the Last Supper was he, he, he took, over, took off his outer garment and he, and he girded himself and put a towel around his waist and he started washing the apostles' feet. And he said, the, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And, and this is what this, this parable is teaching us. This parable is teaching us that in the kingdom of God, that it's best to be humble. Because if we're humble in due time, God will exalt us. You know, it's interesting. One of the things we say is that in the kingdom of God, so many times it's kind of upside down. It's, it's reverse of the way we think it. Instead of trying to go for glory, we want to go for service. That's, in fact, 
you know, the Beatitudes, when, when Jesus says uh, that it's the meek and it's the lowly, um, it's the pure of heart, those that are persecuted, uh, that'll be exalted, that'll be lifted up, that'll inherit the kingdom of, kingdom of God. One of the, and I'll close with this, one of the amazing things that I've learned as a pastor over the past 20 years is the thing that people usually get wrong is that in order to truly have victory in this life, to truly have victory in this life, to be able to have a relationship with God and to be able to have victory, to know that we're going to heaven. Do you know what it takes? It takes surrender. It takes full surrender. Letting God do in you what you can't possibly do for yourself. It's called surrender. So who would think that surrender would be the gate would be the way to basically enter heaven, to be able to have a relationship with God. The Pharisees had it wrong. They felt that it was through their righteousness, by doing the right types of things, by wearing long robes, by being able to have long prayers. Uh, they would get God's attention and God would say, wow, look at that. I am so impressed. I'm going to let, that's going to be one of my good ones. I'm going to bring him up to heaven. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you need to be a servant. He says you need to humble yourself and let God exalt you. And finally, what I'm telling you is this, is that if you really want to be able to see God, if you want to be a one of God's people, if you want to understand the true mysteries of God, the best thing you need to do is to be able to surrender. Just surrender. Let God do the things that He can do that you can't possibly do yourself. So we're going to pray. Before I pray, I want to remind you that um, um, our ministry is Faith Dialogue. You can find us at faithdialogue.org. This teaching and all of our other teachings, both on video and as well as audio, are available. You're well, welcome to, to be able to go to, our, go to our website and just make use of all of those things. They're on there for your benefit. We, we, we use the website as an extension of our ministry, just like we are today. Uh, we're not able to be directly with you, but you can catch us online on video as well as audio. But let me pray. Father God, we want to thank you. You've been Lord, listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.